I'm Shankar Vedantam, here to tell you about a great mystery. That mystery is you. As the host of a podcast called Hidden Brain, I explore big questions about what it means to be human. Questions like, where do our emotions come from? Why do so many of us feel overwhelmed by modern life? How can we better understand the people around us? Discover your hidden brain. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Well Now, Slate's new podcast about health and wellness. I'm Dr. Kavita Patel. And I'm Maya Feller, registered dietitian nutritionist. And this podcast begins with a question. We all want to feel well, but what does that mean exactly? Is it getting at least 30 minutes of activity each day? Sleeping at least eight hours every night? Is it maintaining your blood sugar or eating a balanced diet? Or is it all that and more? Everybody seems to have an opinion about what it means to be well now. Sometimes they even claim to have the solution and then try to sell you something useless or even harmful. So we're here to cut through the noise and help you get to the heart of what it means to be well. Every week, we'll tackle a new story with people all over the wellness industry. And today, we'll raise a glass and toast to dry January. Stay with us. You're listening to Well Now from Slate. I'm Dr. Kavita Patel. And I'm Maya Feller. Now, Kavita, it's our first episode, but more importantly, it's January, the start of the new year. That means it's resolution season, Maya. New year, new me, all that stuff. (laughs) Exactly. So many of us are looking for that quote-unquote reset. And some will take this opportunity to reevaluate their relationship with alcohol, including us on the Well Now team. Okay, so picture this. You're in Brooklyn, walking down the street. Some of them are cobblestone streets. Some of them are just streets with a lot of new construction going up. The air is crisp. The horns are definitely honking. I'm definitely lost because Brooklyn is not my native backyard. (laughs) Then you stop in front of an old storefront. It doesn't look like much on the outside. I mean, in fact, it looks like nothing at all until you open the door. And inside is a total vibe. People milling around, live music playing, It could be a throwback from some sort of 20th century novel. Almost feels like we're in Prohibition times and you can even hear the swing skirt swinging in the hallway. It feels like a stylish neighborhood bar, like you want to be there. There's high energy and it's so intimate and you just feel like real awesome. But there's a catch. Every drink in this bar is non-alcoholic. You're inside with us at Club Curious. It's a sober speakeasy somewhere in Brooklyn. It's the home of the zero-proof beverage company Curious Elixirs. They have eight different drinks inspired by popular cocktails, minus the actual alcohol. Really, it makes it the perfect place to have our dry January conversation. Exactly. So we wanted to sit down with the founder and CEO of Curious Elixirs, J.W. Weissman, inside Club Curious. I'm a bit of a flavor slut. Like, I love flavor. And just after the break, we'll share a sip with J.W. and find out why he loves his elixirs, but hates the word mocktail. That's coming up on Well Now from Slate. Stay with us. (laughs) 
On Death, Sex, and Money, we feature interviews with you, our community of listeners, getting honest about uncomfortable things. I developed an illness where it isn't safe for me to drive. A friend once said to me, sex is like air. You don't think about it until you're not getting enough. This is a similar sort of thing if you just replace sex with driving. Listen to Death, Sex, and Money wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to Well Now, Slate's podcast on health and wellness. I'm Kavita Patel. And I'm Maya Feller. Maya, we're so excited to be joined by a founder of one of these alcohol-free spirit companies. J.W. Weissman is joining us. He's the CEO of Curious Elixirs. We're actually joining him in a very special location. J.W., welcome to the show. And tell us where we are right now. Well, thank you, Kavita, for having me on this show. And thank you, Maya. We're sitting in Club Curious, which is the world's first sober speakeasy, somewhere in Brooklyn, in a Victorian storefront from 1901 that has had many lives and is now our kind of odd space Gadsby cabaret. I'm going to give listeners just the palpable feeling of coming up on a street in Brooklyn where there's no number, it's not at all labeled, and you kind of come upon like frosted doors that are pretty like antique in nature and glorious. You come inside behind an incredibly thick yellow velvet rope curtain, and it opens up into what I would describe my NJW as part, you know, eccentric stage, part club, part parlor that I would want to entertain people in, and also a place that you just imagine very cool people are hanging out with great art on the wall, mirrors, and a sign that we have to call out, stay curious. So I think with all of that, that it is only fitting that we get to try some of your delicious mocktails. I feel like we need a new word for zero proof because oh, yeah. like mocktail, yeah. that sounds that's like it's we, fake. That's you why we right. use the word elixirs. Yeah. yeah. So because I, these like, aren't mocktails. That's right. We're not trying to not copy trying anything to else. Copy. Right. So We're making something new that is inspired by old drinks. I love that. So let's step into the new, being that it is January, and let's have one of your elixirs. Please, yes. Now, who is the spicier of you two? I mean, for sure me. No, I don't think so. For sure me. I doubt it. I, I eat so spicy, like I go into- Oh, I thought you meant a whole different version of what spicier was. That's why I phrased the question that way. That's, mm. you know, is that ambiguous. Telling? It is. That, I think it was a Rorschach test. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was asking like, who's the like saucy kind of- Oh, yeah, like yeah. naughty person. Oh, no, I'm like- Does out. not follow rules. No, no. So doesn't I, care. That's me. Okay, so I am a I follow rules. Yeah, you but seem like a I am a salty bitch. Salty and spicy. Okay. There you go. Yep. So we have two of our drinks here. So for the one who likes spicy food, that's going to go to Maya. That's going to be curious number two. That's our spicy and stormy elixir. So that's inspired by the pineapple margarita and the dark and stormy. So it's pineapple. You're going to feel a nice ginger burn. Lemon, lime, ancho chili for some smokiness, smoked sea salt, Damiana, which is an herb that is from Quintana Roo, a state in Mexico that has been used for hundreds of years at least. And then we have for Cavita, curious number four, another in the fancy line of elixirs. This is our Sicilian blood orange spritz, which uses blood orange, green mandarin, 
we make a non-alcoholic Prosecco with white grape, and then we infuse it with American ginseng, which is a nice boost, and then turmeric and tulsi, otherwise known as holy basil, for helping to support the body. So very important, always invert your bottles three times to remix, because we use only natural shit in here. And it's important to have it remix before you pour it. So invert the bottle, and then you can twist it open. Then we take our glass of ice with the fancy cube, and then we pour it. So that's curious number four, and curious number two. And you'll note that this one is less carbonated than curious number four. And the reason for that is that we just wanted enough carbonation number two to open up the flavors. It's not an adult drink if it doesn't have a beginning, middle, and an end. That's my definition of a, what a cocktail really is. And then you sip it. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Salut. Salute. Oh, this is de so delicious. I'm not a sweet person, right? In terms of my flavor profile, I prefer bitter greens. I prefer very, very spicy. Like I don't eat dirt, but I prefer things that are not overly sweet. And the pineapple in this is a welcomed hint without being syrupy. And that is fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, we've worked hard to strike the right balance um, with these. You know, this one has a nice ginger and ancho chili finish yeah. to it with like a touch of sea salt there just to brighten everything. This would be like a daily staple for me. I have to say I drink this one almost daily. Mm -hmm. these, these number two and number four, I drink almost daily. Number four, Sicilian spritz. I have to say I love, I'm, I'm such a nerd, so I love reading like what some of the ingredients kind of help with and talks about boosting immunity, stress relief, mood buster, pick me up. So this is uh, like all your other elixirs I sense, not overly sweet, but it does have like a little bit of bitterness, mm -hmm. a little hint of sour to it and right. something that lingers so that again, you yeah, kind of- Yeah, that bitter and floral finish on that, you're, that's gonna be the gentian root, which helps boost circulation as well. Mm -hmm. um, and gives you a little bit of that flush so that it kind of gives you a little feeling of like, oh, my body's like, oh, what's going on here? It also helps prepare your stomach, you know, because the bitter in your in your stomach is then making the getting ready to digest things. Right. Right. Like kind of balancing the acid and the pH of the stomach. Also, I'm sitting here reading the ingredient list of my number two. And I have to do like a little shout out because we are, you know, at the top of the year and everyone's like how can I add more vitamin C? And I'm like, who knew that number two had 23% of the daily value, which means that it's a good source of vitamin C. Doesn't hurt. Listen, and it goes down smooth. We're going to take a break now. And when we come back, we'll talk more with JW about the growing movement of people abstaining from alcohol. You're listening to Well Now. Stay with us. Ta -da! 
Welcome back. You're listening to Well Now, Slate's podcast on wellness. I'm Kavita Patel. And I'm Maya Feller. We've been talking with J.W. Weissman, founder and CEO of Curious Elixirs. So yeah, so J.W., tell us why you decided to start Curious Elixirs. Well, the reason why was because I was drinking too much. <laughs> and I was a big cocktail nerd. I still am a big cocktail nerd. And uh, I had a crazy night back in 2012 where I had 20 drinks in a night. And I had no hangover the next day. And some people might consider that a superpower, but I considered it a cause for alarm that my body had so changed to be able to have that much poison that I needed to have a, a radical transformation in my relationship with alcohol. So the next day, I, I literally, you know, from Saturday night to Sunday night, I started tinkering in my kitchen the next day. And this was over the winter of 2012, 2013. And two years later, after tinkering and serving, you know, my elixirs at various parties and events and stuff like that, I just suddenly knew I was like, wow, this could be not only a business, but this could help change culture. And it's been pretty amazing to see how much has changed. But it's, you know, in terms of transforming our drinking culture, we're still in the first act of the opera. Although it is interesting, there are more and more lines, it feels like it's popping up yes. everywhere that you have such and such celebrity now with, you know, either endorsing or with their own line. Welcome to the club. Alcohol free spirits. But also that comes with a bit of a caveat, if, if I can ask, like, sure, just because it's alcohol free, one should not assume that it's all natural and that it could be healthy for you. That is absolutely correct. I would say there are very, very few non-alcoholic drinks out there that are actually made with clean ingredients. We're one of a small handful. But Curious Elixirs are made with organic ingredients, no refined sugar. We're using alcohol-free extracts of whole plants, roots, herbs, spices, and that's it. We don't use natural flavors, no funny business, you know, no fillers, no preservatives even. They're pasteurized, but we're not using potassium sorbate to stabilize stuff so that it can sit on a bar for six months. Now, there's plenty of room for products like that. They're still improving access and options for people to feel included when they're hanging out with friends or if they just want to unwind after a long day. I don't have a problem with that. I just don't want to drink a Diet Coke. You know, like I don't want to have something that's just kind of chock full of chemicals and just be like, just because it tastes kind of good. So if you're giving advice to someone who's listening, what should they think about? What should they be looking for in, in an alcohol-free product? I mean, that's why it, you see a sign that says, stay curious, read the label, see what's going on there. And most importantly, see how it makes you feel if you decide to purchase it and buy it and imbibe it. That's why we use herbs and adaptogens and why we've been infusing our non-alcoholic cocktails with these interesting functional ingredients since day one is almost like a primer for people to try out ashwagandha, for people to try out rhodiola or damiana or shatavari or, you know, other things that we use like American ginseng, one of my favorites. I love that you mentioned ashwagandha. I'm Indian and so some of this is like so deeply rooted in centuries of culture. Yes. And you're bringing all of that, it sounds like kind of a global background. JW, I'd love to hear why you chose adaptogenic mushrooms. And maybe just even start, what does it mean to be an adaptogenic mushroom? So adaptogens are various natural ingredients that come from either, you know, plants, roots, or mushrooms um, that help your body deal with stress. Oftentimes, 
they'll help work on your adrenal system and your stress response. Like for example, rhodiola, which is one of my favorites, that helps balance your cortisol. If your cortisol is too high, it'll lower it. If your cortisol is too low, it'll raise it. So that's kind of one reason why it's called an adaptogen, because it can work in different ways on different people, depending on what's going on with your body. I do feel like I've seen a rash of like conscientiousness about adaptogens. It's popping up in my teas. It's something that I think more awareness is coming to. So. You know, I really, what you said earlier about kind of shifting this culture around alcohol consumption, in this like culture shift, right, to have people think about Zero Proof, what do you want for the future of this industry? I want it to become not even a second thought so that 20 years from now, every wedding, every business conference, every house party, every comedy club, every Broadway theater, every hotel has a high quality non-alcoholic drink so that everybody who goes there, whether they're sober or they're just cutting back or they're pregnant or they're training for a marathon, can just have something fun and celebratory to unwind with their friends or just when they want to chill at home. What would you say to people who are trying to abstain? I don't know if mm. your own experience and journey led to avoiding alcohol completely. I'm not a sober person. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I am on the kind of sober curious spectrum. I am much closer to the, you know, zero drinks, but I probably have one or two drinks a month, you know, for research and, and also just I'm a bit of a flavor slut. Like <laughs> I love flavor. So that's going to happen some points. But the important thing is for people to choose where they want to be on that sober curious spectrum, not just knee jerk reactions say like, yeah, I'm definitely going to get messed up, yeah. you know, just because that's what people do. No. Like, what do you want to do? What makes you feel good? Do you feel like people's attitudes toward consuming zero proof has shifted? And it's shifted a lot. In what ways? Yeah. So the average kind of consumer is a lot more hip to this than they were 10 years ago. You know, we're, we're coming up on celebrating our ninth birthday. And when we first started, people were already thirsty for it. Just nobody knew it because they hadn't asked themselves that question. It's shifted, though, in that the people who are maybe on the bubble, like they didn't know that they wanted these options, that group has grown dramatically. I don't know if it's quite exponentially, but it feels that way because we can barely keep up with demand. In terms of the industry, like the hospitality industry, the first five years was a slog. People didn't get it. Bartenders are like, no, I make my money off booze. My customers come to me for booze. And what I said to them was, that is true. But the people that are dining at all of these tables one out of three or one out of four of them don't drink or aren't drinking tonight and would like something like this. That's where you can serve people really well is by offering them something special for them. It's a need that they didn't even know that needed to be filled. So that's one of the challenges I think in abstaining if people need to. And for, I try to remind a lot of people that alcohol is a substance of which it alters so much of like the chemistry of your body that it is now like it, I classify it as a chronic disease. It's just like talking to someone about their blood pressure. There's a lot of stigma around it, but describing just these environments where there's not even a choice. It sounds like that's one of the factors why people have a difficult time having an alcohol free lifestyle or abstaining if they're that they need to. What are some of the other things you've seen about people who need to kind of cut out alcohol completely and barriers to doing it. 
Well, I think that people that are cutting it out completely oftentimes just aren't going out because they don't want to feel tempted. And, you know, people in AA, for example, oftentimes sponsors will say, like, if you go to the casino enough times, you're going to gamble, you know, and that's one reason why we want to change the culture of bars, nightlife and just going out. You know, if it suddenly doesn't matter and the peer pressure gets erased, then people can just have a good time. And that's kind of why we design these with brown bottles and it's dark, it's sleek. It looks like it fits right into a nightlife setting. And that makes it easy for people to kind of hide in plain sight and have a little drink that's kind of non-alcoholic and fun and fancy because it's for them. It's not for anybody else. Are you finding now that people are more receptive. You said it was a slog initially. Yeah. The last couple of years, there's been a sea change in the hospitality industry. And basically, if you don't have a non-alcoholic section on your drink menu now, you're not making as much money and you're losing customers because people are going to other places that do. I mean, we have Michelin star restaurants and we have dive bars that serve curious, you know, but we're only in a couple thousand places across the country. When that 2000 becomes 50,000 a decade from now, that's when you start to see real change, you know? But it's it's getting there, and they love it because it's easy to serve, and it's something fancy. And when people are going for a night to go see some live music, they want to celebrate, but they don't want to have another soda, right? You know, do like, you feel that's like that's fun. the future of where non-alcoholic zero that's the proof? Now. That's the now. Yes. So, what does the future look like? The future looks like ubiquity. Like when I was starting Curious, another inspiration for this was a friend of mine who's like a Broadway and TV actor who's totally sober. And he told me the story at one of these lunches where he went to a wedding and his former you know, fraternity brothers were pressuring him to take shots. And he's like, no, no, I'm, I'm good today. I'm good. Thanks. Thanks. You know, they kept pressuring him and it almost turned into fisticuffs. You know, right. it almost went into a full on brawl because his brothers had been drinking already and because he was adamant in maintaining his sobriety. Our vision is 20 to 40 years from now, that would never happen. It would just be normal to go to a wedding and lift a glass of Curious Number 7 in the same champagne flute as somebody is doing with actual champagne. You know, that is what we're going for, where it's just like, we're all here to party and celebrate life because we don't know if we're going to be here tomorrow. So let's go. J.W. Weissman is the founder and CEO of Curious Elixirs. Thank you, J.W. Thank you, Maya. Thank you, Kavita. And now we're out of Club Curious and into the WellNow studio. It's me, Kavita Patel, and I'm joined by my co-host, Maya Feller. Hey, Maya. Hey, Kavita. I had such a blast sharing some of J.W.'s elixirs with you. And I especially love our drink pairings. Salty and spicy. <laughs> That's a good pairing for our hostess styles, don't you think? Agreed. I, I definitely think it was not just a, a good pairing, My, I would even say it was one for the ages. So Maya, why don't you tell me a little bit more about that saltiness that you have? With the few minutes we have left, please introduce yourself to our listeners. All right. So I'm a dietitian by training, and I previously taught at NYU. After NYU, I founded Maya Feller Nutrition. It's a Brooklyn-based nutrition practice where we really focus on patient-centered care. And I really come from this holistic lens where I'm thinking about 
looking at a person from their racial, ethnic, and cultural backgrounds and taking into consideration where they live, what they have access to, all of that really informs their understanding of nutrition. And so in our practice, we try to you know take all of that into consideration when we work with people. I'm also a two-time cookbook author, a mom, and a wife, and I've got a ton of pets, two cats, two dogs, and an ailing fish. What about you, Kavita? I'm definitely the spicy part. And I say I'm spicy, uh, I think, because I've gone through the school of hard knocks in life. I was born and raised in Texas and then found my way initially to the West Coast for training to become an internist and then landed myself into Washington, D.C. I've worked in some of the highest political environments, the White House, the United States Senate, and then kind of found my way back also into clinical practice, internal medicine in a part of the Washington, D.C. area that is pretty much, I would say, 99% of my population is non-English speaking, and the majority of my population are black and brown women. So the core of my practice has kind of run the gamut from incredibly kind of high level people who are making world decisions to people who are making sure that we get our groceries packed while we were all kind of hunkered away during COVID. So I'm incredibly passionate about this concept of wellness, but I'll tell you the reason I'm spicy about it is because I don't think we have a wellness-oriented healthcare system. I think we have a sickness-oriented healthcare system. So when the chance to work with you on something called Well Now actually presented itself, I jumped at it. I have uh, two young children who I try to keep well and God help me, I try all the time, and a husband. And I have no pets because I can barely take care of myself. So I try not to do anything beyond the humans I'm supposed to take care of and my patients. And so you're going to have to teach me a little bit about that, Maya. And then in my spare time, I love reading. I was an English philosophy major and I would love to write the next great novel. So I'll, I'll get some advice from the Salty Maya on how to sit down and actually write, but very excited to be here with you. Kavita, I have to tell you, I did not know that you were a philosophy major because you know what? That was my double major in undergrad. Well, I would say everything I have comes from reading years of Kant and trying to understand kind of why we're all here and what we're meant to be. The critique of pure reason. I will tell you that right now. I am so with you. This is a vibe. This is a vibe, folks. Okay. So friends out there, now that you know a little bit about our backgrounds, Kavita, I want to talk to you about how we're going to you know, merge these two backgrounds in this show. And what do you hope that listeners are actually going to get from Well Now in this like conversation and dive into this question about what is wellness and what does it mean to be well in the current state of the world? I really want to make wellness approachable. I think for too long, I personally, just in my kind of life that I've been raised and especially working in, again, as I say, more of like sickness, not necessarily health and wellness every day. I'm trying to just keep people who are sick a little less sick. I have found that often we leave people without some of the tools or conversations that they can have about how to be well in those moments. And it's small things. I've learned it's habits. But you know, you can say all of that and you can put it in a podcast and then it gets to be hard to do. So I'm really hoping that we can bring some of these, not just practical kind of pieces to wellness and make it approachable, but I'm hoping we can introduce an audience to an entirely new set of voices around wellness. So Maya, I'm very excited for us, but I'd love to hear what you personally want listeners to get from Well Now. So I want all of what you just said. Um, that's like a, what do you say, jinx me too. I also really want people to hear themselves in us. 
right? I want them to know that as two clinicians who've done a lot of work just on the ground with folks, that we have an understanding of what it takes to actually think about wellness and the emotional capital that's needed to even engage in this conversation. And so I also want people to know that we're going to come from a place of honesty, that we're going to understand that we're not perfect and we're going to learn along the way with our listeners. And I want people to know that they can trust what we're saying because we're going to do the research, we're going to dig deep, and we're going to question our guests. And we're going to make sure that we're providing folks with some evidence-based information and some actionable answers that they can do with little to no money as well as if they want to use the funds that are available to them. Because I think that that's a huge challenge in the wellness industry is that people are often saying, well, what's the fix if I don't have access to tons of money, right? And hopefully we can have listeners take some of this, just share what they're talking about. I hope we can start conversations and get people not always to agree with us. I think, in fact, what would be great is to get listeners to kind of talk to us and interact with us, tell us what they'd like to hear. So Maya, I'm looking forward to bringing this salty and spicy energy into Well Now. Listen, I hope that everybody gets a little salty and spicy as they question and think about wellness themselves. Agreed. And if there's a wellness story you want us to dive into, email us at wellnow@slate.com. We'd love to hear from you and get to know more about what your wellness rituals look like. That's it for Well Now this week. Our show is produced by Vic Whitley-Berry with help this week from Kevin Bendis. Merritt Jacob provided engineering support. Ben Richmond is Slate's Senior Director of Podcast Operations and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's Vice President of Audio. Be sure to follow Well Now wherever you listen to podcasts and join us again next week. I'm Maya Feller. And I'm Kavita Patel. Thanks for listening and stay well.